What's up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about why Houston Texans fans should be excited about rookie safety Jalen Petrie. Will the Arizona Cardinals be better or worse this season? Will Notre Dame be able to upset Ohio State week one of the upcoming college football season? And why Jameer Gibbs is going to be a monster for Alabama this season. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. Lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. A couple of months ago, we did a segment on why Houston Texans fans should be excited about rookie running back Damian Pierce. Now, that has been one of the best performing segments that we have done over the course of this offseason on the JT Sports Podcast. And today, we're back again talking about another rookie that Texans fans should be excited to watch this year. And that is safety Jalen Petrie. Now, he was drafted out of Baylor in the second round of this past year's 2022 NFL Draft. And he was one of my favorite safety prospects coming out. If you go back and you watch any Baylor game from 2021, there's no way that you couldn't have noticed Jalen Petrie. And right off the bat, you know that this guy has a extremely high football IQ and great instincts because he just has a nose for finding the football. This is somebody who won Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year last year. He had 56 tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, two interceptions, seven pass breakups, three forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries. That is a amazing stat line. And you don't put up those kind of numbers without having great awareness and having phenomenal instincts. And what has me so excited about what Jalen Petrie can do under Lovey Smith this season is the fact that he brings a lot of versatility to the Texans defense. This is somebody who played the star position for Baylor. And the star position is this hybrid role that many colleges have on their defense. And it involves having a super versatile defensive back that can do a multitude of things. Cover, blitz off the edge, and also be a really good tackler. So when you look at Jalen Petrie, this is somebody who can play any position in the secondary for Houston. He can play either free safety, strong safety, slot cornerback. And many of you guys may not know this, but... When he first arrived at Baylor, he started out as a linebacker before moving to safety. So that tells you about how much talent he has. And then on top of that, he's really good in man coverage. If you're looking for somebody who can guard slot receivers or somebody who you can put inside the box and match up and man-to-man coverage against tight ends, Jalen Petrie is going to be that dude. And on top of that, he is a really consistent tackler. And that's something that you don't really say a lot when you look at the new cornerbacks and the new safeties and DBs that are entering the league. They're really good in coverage, but they don't really care that much about tackling. 
Jalen Petrie, that's one of the strong points in his games. When Jalen Petrie gets his arms around you, you're not going to break too many tackles. And on top of that, this is somebody who is a great blitzer. When you line him up in the slot, he times up his blitzes really perfectly. He also has really good athleticism. And he is a ball hog. This is somebody who has really good ball skills. This is just a all-around weapon that Houston Texans have on their defense. And I'm really high on Jalen Petrie. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jalen Petrie's name at the end of this year in the conversation for a defensive rookie of the year. Because he's going to be one of those rookies that a lot of people outside of Houston Texans fans don't know anything about and don't know how good he is until he starts making noise during the middle of the season. And it kind of reminds me a lot of Jeremy Chen. When the Carolina Panthers drafted Jeremy Chen, this was somebody who was a small school guy who didn't really know anything about. But he was getting a lot of praise from Panthers coaches and the players throughout minicamp and training camp. And then he ended up popping off during his rookie season. And now he's one of the better up-and-coming safeties in the league. You look at Jalen Petrie. This is somebody who kind of has been in a similar situation. Now, at the time this segment is being released, we are less than a week away from training camp. But Jalen Petrie has been getting a lot of praise from Texans players, such as Derek Stingley, and even his head coach, Lovey Smith, who came out and praised him for his ability to pick up the playbook, and learn fast, calling him a sponge. And you always love to hear rookies that are learning at a really fast place because when you're making that transition from college to the NFL, a lot of players learn the playbook at different rates. And for the Houston Texans, this is a team that if they're going to have a chance of being a competitive football team, they need their young rookies to produce right away. So, of course, it's a great sign when you hear rumors and reports of rookies learning the playbook at a rapid pace compared to others. And for Jalen Petrie, I think that he has potential to become a pro bowler right away for the Houston Texans. And you got to remember, they lost Justin Reed and free agency to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that Jalen Petrie could prove to be an upgrade from Justin Reed. I think that you're going to have somebody who's better in pure man-to-man coverage and somebody who's better in run support. And also, Jalen Petrie has a lot of potential to end up becoming one of the best safeties in the NFL. And I don't really say that a lot, but... When you look at today's NFL, it looks as if we're moving to safeties that have to be able to play a multitude of roles. If you have a safety that is only good in man coverage or is only good against the run, eight times out of ten, they're not going to be all that great. For a safety to really be considered elite, you have to be able to do a lot of things. You have to be a chess piece per se, if you want to be considered one of the best safeties in the game, in my opinion. And when you look at Duran James, and the reason why many people, including myself, regard him to be the best safety, one of the best football players in the NFL, is because he can do so much. And when you have a player that has the skills to Jalen Petrie, he just brings a different element to your defense. 
He is somebody who can take your defense and make it better. Normally, you have players who you plug into your defense, who improve your defense. But when you have a player who can bring so much to the table, like Jalen Petrie does, he can really elevate your defense. He can really take your defense from being below average to average. That's how good I think Jalen Petrie is. And that's how important... You know, having a hybrid safety is in today's NFL. And a lot of teams are now starting to move towards that way of finding a safety who they can match up in the slot, who can guard against these slot receivers, who you can man up against these tight ends. And Jalen Petrie, man, I'm really excited to watch him. Now, he's not a freakish athlete, but he is a very good athlete. He's 5'11", 198 pounds. I was really impressed when I watched him play at Baylor. I loved watching him play. It's a reason why if you go back and you look at my Baylor preview and prediction videos, anytime they played somebody, he was on the thumbnail for a reason. I don't just put any random player on the thumbnail just to put him there. If I have a player on the thumbnail, that means that he's an impact player. And for Jalen Petrie, I think that he's going to have a very good rookie season. And he could have a similar season to what Javon Holland had with the Miami Dolphins last season now Javon Holland also is one of those guys when he was first drafted by the Dolphins who not a lot of people knew about until the middle portion of the season when everybody's like okay who who is this rookie he's making a lot of plays he's really good so for Texans fans I think that you have to be not only excited with Jalen Petrie but you should be really excited about you know the potential of this draft class this is a very good draft class and we don't really expect Houston to be all that great but I think that if these rookies end up playing and living up to the potential that many of us think that they could end up living up to in a sense I'm sorry that sounds a little bit weird but basically what I'm trying to say is if this draft class is as good as what we think it is the Texans have a very bright future And I do think that Jalen Petrie could end up being the heart and soul of that Houston Texans defense. But let me know what you guys think about Jalen Petrie down in the comment section down below if you're watching this on YouTube. I really do not understand the Cliff Kingsbury hate. Ever since he was hired by the Arizona Cardinals, this team has done nothing but improve under him every single season. Year one, 2019, they went 5, 10, and 1. Year two, they went 8 and 8. Year three, last season, in 2021, they went 11 and 6, and they made it to the playoffs for the first time in a while. And yes, I understand that their wild card loss to the Los Angeles Rams was really disappointing. And I do understand that how the second half of the year after their 7-0 start was also disappointing as well. But people act as if Cliff Kingsbury is one of the worst coaches in the NFL despite this team constantly improving under him year after year after year. And he doesn't receive the respect that he properly deserves not just from the national media but even a good amount of Arizona Cardinals fans I feel are 
really overly critical of Cliff Kingsbury. Yes, I understand that he struggles to make adjustments, not just in-game, but during the middle portion of the year. Yes, his play calling and clock management aren't the best. But at the end of the day, no NFL head coach is perfect. Every NFL head coach has flaws. You're never going to have a perfect head coach. And that's just like me and you as human beings. There's no such thing as the perfect person in this world. Everybody has their flaws and everybody has their strengths. But I really feel that Cliff Kingsbury deserves more credit than what he is given. And it's weird that people say that he's carried by Kyler Murray when he's won a game without Kyler Murray. And also Kyler Murray was a quarterback when he was coming out of Oklahoma. He wasn't just one of those QBs that you can just plug and play on any given team with any given head coach. It took the right offensive mind to put Kyler Murray in a system that he can have success in because he's undersized and he can't have success on any other team. This is a offense that is designed for Kyler Murray. So for Cliff Kingsbury, for the people out there who say he's only had this much success because of Kyler Murray, I have to disagree with you. Because at the end of the day, he designed the perfect offense tailored around Kyler Murray's strengths. If you were to put Kyler Murray on a team such as the Jacksonville Jaguars or the New York Giants, do you think he would still be as good on those teams compared to the Arizona Cardinals? I think that Cliff Kingsbury is a coach that people have this narrative about him. Because when he was first hired by the Arizona Cardinals, it was a really controversial hiring because he didn't have much success at Texas Tech and people are still latched on to that narrative, weirdly. And I haven't really heard anybody talk about the improvement that this team has made year after year under Cliff Kingsbury. So... How good are the Cardinals going to be this year? Are they going to be better or worse in 2022? Because this team is pretty interesting. This is a team that was really solid against playoff teams last year. They had a record of 5-3 and three against teams that had a record of 500 or better. However, this is a team that definitely disappointed and played down to the level of competition. There were a lot of games that they lost that they had no business losing. Mainly, that loss to the Carolina Panthers was pretty much, I think, the low point of the Arizona Cardinals season. But when you look at their schedule, yes, they do have one of the more difficult schedules in the NFL, but I do think that it's still manageable enough for them to make it to the playoffs because I still think that Arizona is a playoff team. And yes, you do have concerns about the offensive line, but this offensive line is not as bad as people think. Yes, it is old, but it's still good enough to get the job done. You have left tackle DJ Humphreys, who I'm pretty sure, unless you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, you probably don't know that DJ Humphreys made it to his first ever Pro Bowl last year. He's 28 going on 29 years old. You have left guard Justin Pugh, who has 
been flirting with retirement, but he came back for another year. He's been solid for Arizona. He's been one of the better pass-blocking interior offensive linemen in the NFL for over the last couple of years. At center, you're going to have Rodney Hudson, who a couple of minutes ago it was reported that he is going to be coming back and playing for another season with the Arizona Cardinals. He still is one of the best centers in the NFL. Maybe he may not be top five anymore, but he's probably still top six, top seven in the league. So really the only question that the Arizona Cardinals have on this offensive line is on the right side. You're going to have Will Hernandez who is expected to be their starter at right guard. And I think that he could be in for a very solid season. I think this potentially could be the best year of his career. You want to know why? Because he's reunited with his former college coach and Sean Coogler who is the Arizona Cardinals run game coordinator and offensive line coach. And I think that Sean Coogler has done a pretty solid job with this Arizona Cardinals off the line. And I think that he's going to be able to get the most out of Will Hernandez simply for the fact that they have so much familiarity going back to their days in college together. At right tackle, you're going to have Kelvin Beecham there. He's up there in age as well. Maybe Josh Jones can end up beating him out, but I still think that he's going to get the start there. So I think that this offensive line is decent. I think that it's a top 16 offensive line. I think that it's good enough to get the job done for Arizona. Now, what's going to happen when the majority of these guys end up deciding to retire next season? That remains to be decided. But at least going into 2022, I think that if you are a Cardinals fan, I don't think that you should be all that worried about the off the line. I think that it should be okay. At wide receiver, you know, you have A.J. Green, who was fairly solid when you consider the fact that he's getting up there in age, and he isn't the same A.J. Green that we saw when he was with the Cincinnati Bengals, but he was really reliable at times for Arizona. You just traded for Hollywood Brown not too long ago, reuniting him with Kyler Murray. I think that he's going to be a big boost to this offense, especially when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. And I've always said this about Hollywood Brown, even when he was coming out of Oklahoma and he was drafted in the first round by the Baltimore Ravens. Marquise Brown is a Robin, not a Batman. He's really good when you have a true number one wide receiver lined up on the opposite side of him. And the Cardinals are going to have that when DeAndre Hopkins comes back from his suspension. But if you need him to be your number one wide receiver for a whole entire season, you're going to be disappointed because he's not that. He has inconsistencies when it comes to consistently catching the ball. Sometimes he struggles to get off press coverage. But he is a very good number two wide receiver and a okay low-end wide receiver one if you need him to be for a couple of weeks. But for a whole entire season, he's not really all that great as your number one option. But when you give him a very good wide receiver one alongside of him, he's really great. He may be one of the best wide receiver twos in the NFL. 
You also do have Rondell Moore, who we should see more of this season. Zach Ertz was pretty solid last year. And I'm really excited about rookie tight end Trey McBride, who I'm going to be making another segment about over the next couple of days. He was one of the best tight ends coming out of the draft out of Colorado State. At running back, you have James Conner. I kind of think that James Conner's season was pretty okay. It surprised me. I'm not going to lie. And we knew that James Conner was a above average to good running back. The problem with him is that could he stay healthy? And he went to the Pro Bowl last year. You also had Daryl Williams, Eno Benjamin. So your running back position is fine. However... On the defensive side of the football, there's a lot of concern. Where is your pass rush going to come from? Because you lost Chandler Jones to the Raiders. Okay, you have Marcus Golden there, but who's going to emerge as that second pass rusher? We don't really know. And I'm pretty sure that nobody really has faith in Devin Kennard. I, I, I think that's safe to say that Devin Kennard's best playing days are behind him. He's 30. He's getting up there in age. And although he is somebody who has came in and provided you a good spark at times, I think at this point in his career, he's just a solid rotational pass rusher. I really do like Maje Sanders' third-round pick out of Cincinnati. This is somebody who has a lot of potential, good wingspan. Hopefully, he can put on some more weight before the season starts. You go back and you watch his game against Alabama, I think that that was the best game of his collegiate career. And it may not say so in the stat sheet, but against Alabama, man, he was he was wrecking havoc. Every single snap, Alabama tried to throw the football. I saw Maje, not Maje, Har- Maje Sanders, <laughs> almost called him Najee Harris. I saw Maje Sanders getting off blocks and causing chaos. In the run game and also in the passing game. It, it's just no way you couldn't see 21 and what kind of damage he was doing to Alabama's off the line in the semifinals of that playoff game. And you also do have another rookie who you also drafted in the second round out of San Diego State and Cameron Thomas, who probably is a little bit more polished than Marje Sanders. But I think that Marje Sanders has a little bit more potential with his length, his athleticism, and if he can fill on some more weight. I think that he could be really good for Arizona. So you're looking for one of those two guys to pop. And I definitely think that one of them are going to end up being pretty solid because there's just no way that you're going to tell me that Arizona is going to be comfortable with Devin Gennard out there. Inside linebacker, I think could really leap for Arizona this year. Isaiah Simmons really was playing in his first full season for Arizona because his rookie season, he wasn't on the field all that much. And a big part of that was due to lackluster play. But I feel that Isaiah Simmons really took a big leap in development last season. He was better in pass coverage. He was making plays on the football. And he may not be the superstar that many of us had hoped that he would be when the Arizona Cardinals took him a couple of years ago out of Clemson. However, I do think that he can kind of be similar to Tremaine Edmonds, not in terms of skill set, but in terms of what they do for their defenses. Jermaine Edmonds isn't one of the best linebackers in the NFL, but he does his job 
on the Bills defense. And I think for Isaiah Simmons, he does the job that the Arizona Cardinals need him to do. He's not good against the run, but we already knew when he was coming out of Clemson, if he had to play inside linebacker, that he most likely wasn't going to be all that great against the run simply because of his weight. However, he is really great in pass coverage. And I definitely think that that matters more because the NFL is a passing league. If you can't stop the pass nine times out of ten, you're not going to win too many games. Javon Collins, like Isaiah Simmons during his rookie season, didn't play that much. And I don't know what it is with the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe they just don't know how to get the most out of their rookies year one. But he only played 20% of the Arizona Cardinals defensive stat um, snaps last year. That's according to pro football reference. So I think that Zayvon Collins is going to be in for a pretty solid 2022 campaign. And I'm really excited to see what both Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins bring to the table from their linebacker positions. I think that they could be pretty solid this year as a tandem. The secondary, when you look at safety, Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, it doesn't get no better than that. That's one of the best safety duos in the NFL. But cornerback may be one of the worst. Outside of Byron Murphy, who is decent, you don't really have anybody that if you're a Cardinals fan, you're going to have a lot of confidence in. Marco Wilson wasn't that great as a rookie. But it's not as if Marco Wilson was a first-round pick. This was somebody who was drafted and the middle portions of the NFL draft. And any time that you draft a cornerback day two or day three of the draft, you have to view him as somebody who has starter upside, but is going to be a developmental player for the next couple of years. So for Marco Wilson, you're looking for slight improvement. Now, if you're a Cardinals fan, you're hoping that he ends up playing at an all-pro level. But for Marco Wilson, you're looking for him to improve this season and hopefully 2023 he ends up becoming that pro bowl caliber player that many coaches on the cardinal staff believe that he can end up developing into but anytime that you're taking a cornerback in the middle portions or the late portions of the nfl draft you have to understand that there's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be some growing pains when you draft a cornerback in a later round of the draft versus drafting a cornerback in the first round. Because I think that cornerback is a instant impact position if you draft the right one in the first round. But if you're drafting one later, it's going to take a couple of years for them to blossom and develop. But I think that Mar- Marco Wilson could end up improving this year. I think that he will. But outside of him, I mean, who else are they going to have playing cornerback? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you don't know. I don't know. We're probably going to get our answers after preseason and training camp. So overall, I have Arizona at 9 or 10 wins. And I don't really think that the record is going to be indicative of if Arizona is going to be better, it's really going to depend on if they can get to the playoffs and if they can do better than just losing in blowout fashion in the wild card round. I think that if Arizona can get to the divisional round, I think it's a W. And even if Arizona is able to get to the playoffs, you know, I still think that it's a W because Arizona at this point is a consistent playoff contender. Now, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender yet. They definitely need to improve the cornerback position. 
But I definitely feel that the Arizona Cardinals are a team that is trending in the right direction. And I haven't officially released my record predictions at the moment, but I think I have them going either 9-8 and eight or 10-7. and seven. So I don't think that they're going to be worse than last year in a sense. I do think that this team is still going to be able to make it to the playoffs. And depending on who they play in the first round, I think that they could potentially move on to the divisional round. As long as Kyler Murray is able to stay healthy, they're going to have D-Hop back. The defense is definitely going to take a step back. I think that Vince Joseph, you know, isn't really all that great as a defensive coordinator. I think he's pretty average. But this is a team that is going to have the success if they do have any this year based on how good the offense is going to be. And I think that Arizona's offense is good enough to outscore the majority of opponents that they're going to be facing this year. Now, their offensive line isn't the greatest, but it's not going to be dirt awful like how a lot of people think that it is, okay? You have a lot of winnable games later on in this schedule. You start off the season against the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Rams. That is a really tough three-game schedule to start off the year with. But I think that Arizona is going to be able to at least win one of those games, start out one and two, then you face Carolina, Philadelphia, and Seattle. I think that you potentially could go two and one during that stretch. So I think for Arizona, their schedule is pretty tough. But I do think that this is a team, when you look at the current state of the NFC, that should be able to at least be able to compete for that six or seven seed in the NFC. So let me know how you guys feel about the Arizona Cardinals. Do you guys think that they would be better or worse in 2022? On the last episode of the JT Sports Podcast, we did a segment where I gave you guys my early thoughts and preview on the Utah versus Florida week one matchup, what the Gators had to do to pull off the upset against the Utes. Many of you guys were highly receptive towards that segment, and you requested that I give more of my early thoughts and analysis on the week one slate of games. So on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about will Notre Dame be able to upset Ohio State? What does Notre Dame need to do to potentially pull off the upset? When you look at the spread at the moment heading into this matchup, Ohio State is a 14 and a half point favorite. And for right reasons, this is probably the second most talented team in college football heading into this season behind Alabama. You have C.J. Stroud, arguably the best quarterback in the nation, Jason Smith and the Jigbus, the best wide receiver in college football. You have Trayvon Henderson, who's coming off a phenomenal freshman campaign in 2021. You're going to have one of the best offensive lines in the whole entire sport. And you have Jim Knowles, who's going to be your defensive coordinator. Hopefully, the defense should improve under him. So, the reason why I'm so excited for this matchup is because Marcus Freeman is going into his first ever road game at Notre Dame. And I'm going to be looking at two very important things from him. First of all, how well prepared is he going to have this Notre Dame team? Okay, because this is supposed to be one of the most talented Notre Dame teams that we have seen 
And over the last couple of years, I was listening to an episode of Colin Coward's podcast that he did with Joe Clapp on the volume a couple of weeks ago. And he said that he feels this is the most talented Notre Dame team that he has seen in the last 25 years. So for Marcus Freeman, it doesn't matter how talented this team is if he doesn't have this team well prepared and coached up for this game. Another thing is that how well is he going to be at making adjustments in game? Okay, because for Notre Dame, there's been plenty of times where they've gone into games against powerhouse schools and they've gotten blown out. And then it didn't really look like they tried to make too many adjustments to get back into those matchups. So for Marcus Freeman, this team needs to be prepared. And they also have to be prepared to make several adjustments on the fly in the middle of the game. And another thing is that the coaching in this game is going to be really big because you're going to be starting most likely Tyler Buckner at quarterback. How's he going to perform and his first official game as the starting quarterback for the Irish in a really tough road environment? You know, normally you would like to have a young quarterback starting his first every game against a, you know, lower tier opponent, but to go on the road to Ohio State is really intimidating for any young quarterback getting their first start. So it's going to be on this coaching staff, especially offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, to ease Tyler Buckner into this game, okay? You want to make sure that he doesn't get rattled early. He wants to be able to keep his composure. And on top of that, he does have a little bit of in-game experience because he appeared in a couple of matchups last season. So for him, this is going to be a really big game. This is probably going to be a game that he's going to have to have the best ever performance of his whole entire career because it's going to take a Herculean effort for Notre Dame to pull off the upset against Ohio State. And it all starts at the quarterback position. So if you're Tommy Reese, okay, you're probably going to heavily rely on the run game. And you're probably going to ease Buckner into this game. And you probably most likely would like to get him involved in the run game using his legs because he is a really good athlete. And that's probably going to open things up a little bit. And then also, you know, you don't need no turnovers. And of course, it sounds cliche, but anytime you're going against a team that is better than you from a talent standpoint, you can afford to give them extra possessions, okay? Taking care of the football is key. And when you're trying to pull off the upset, you don't want to give the opposing team any extra possessions. You also don't want to put your defense in a bad situation. So for Tommy Reese, he's going to be really key for Notre Dame being able to pull off the potential upset, okay? But not only that, Let's look at the sideline matchup that a lot of people probably aren't going to be discussing. OSU DC, Jim Knowles versus Notre Dame OC, Tommy Reese. Now, Jim Knowles was the defensive coordinator for Oklahoma State last year. They had one of the best defenses in college football in 2021. So he comes over and Ohio State is looking for their defense to improve compared to what it was last year. So this is going to be a really big matchup because for Tommy Reese, you want to ease Tyler Buckner into this game. You want to make sure that he's able to keep his composure. On the other side, 
Jim Knowles is trying to rattle Tyler Buckner, okay? He wants to make him uncomfortable, and he wants to really put the pressure on Notre Dame. And by doing this, you're going to go about this approach one of two ways. Either you're going to send a lot of pressure at him early, see how he responds under the blitz, or option two, either Ohio State shuts down this Notre Dame run game, and they put Notre Dame in situations where they have no choice but to throw the football. So for Jim Knowles, he's looking to put Notre Dame in obvious passing situations third and long, which is something that isn't really Notre Dame's strength this year. Because although they do have one of the best offensive lines in college football, and they should be able to hold up really well against Ohio State's defensive line, the Achilles heel of this offense is that they don't have a really great group of wide receivers. Now, I'm not saying that their wide receivers are not talented, okay? I'm just saying that if you were to ask Marcus Freeman how he wants to win this game, he probably wants to say we want to run the football, have the run game going. If we get into a game where we have to throw the football to win, that's probably not going to be our strong suit. And their wide receivers aren't bad, it's just that They don't have anybody as of right now going into this year who has produced at a extremely high level, okay? You have Lorenzo Style, Jaden Thomas, who is a upcoming wide receiver who they love a lot. He was highly rated coming out of high school. You got Avery Davis, who brings a lot of experience to the group. But which one of them is going to be able to create good separation against Cornerback Denzel Burke, who is one of, if not the best cornerback in the Big Ten at the moment. You feel me? And another thing is that for Notre Dame, you have tied in Michael Meyer. And Irish fans are probably going to say, well, JT, Michael Meyer is going to have to have a big game if the Irish want to pull off the upset. And that is true. However, it has to be more than one person who has to step up in this passing game. So who's going to step up other than Michael Meyer? Now, Ohio State fans are probably going to say, JT, we're going to shut down Michael Meyer. And I'm going to respond to you and say, no, you're not. You feel me? That's the same thing as Notre Dame fans saying that they're going to shut down Jason Smith and the Jigba. No, you're not. The only thing you can do is hope to slow them down. But these are two of the best players at their positions, respectively, in this sport. So they're going to get theirs. No matter how good of a game plan you have, it doesn't matter if you double team these two guys, they're still going to get theirs. Now, for Michael Meyer, you're probably going to say, okay, we can double him. We can have a linebacker playing underneath and have a safety over the top. He's still going to get open because more times than not, he's more athletic than the majority of linebackers that you have out there. They're probably not going to have the coverage ability to keep up with them. And this isn't a slide against the linebackers of Ohio State. I think they should be pretty solid. However, this is one of, if not the best tight ends in college football for a reason. So if you're going to be able to slow him down, you're going to have to need elite play from your linebackers. And you're going to have to have a safety who can maybe man up on him. Looking at Ohio State's roster, I don't really think they have that. So I think that Michael Meyer is still going to get his. But you could potentially find a way to slow him down in the red zone if Notre Dame is able to get down into that red area. And you're not going to put Denzel Burke on him because it simply doesn't make sense. I think Denzel Burke is, what, 180-something pounds? Michael Meyer is like, what, 250, almost 260? 
So that's a significant weight difference. So he's going to get bullied if that happens. So you're not going to do that. Now, Ronnie Hickman most likely could be assigned to guard Michael Meyer and man-to-man situations. I don't really know if that's going to happen or whatnot, but I do think that's a potential of us seeing that matchup. But overall, when it comes to shutting down the Jigbud and Meyer, probably not going to happen. Those are still going to be guys who are going to get theirs. But for me, if you're Notre Dame, okay, you're going to need your cornerbacks to step up against the other wide receivers of Ohio State. Who's going to be able to step up and slow down Marvin Harrison Jr.? Now, Cam Hart is pretty good. This is somebody who I think has the potential to be a day two selection in the 2023 NFL Draft. However, this is going to be a big test for him. How is he going to match up when he has opportunities one-on-one against Jason Smith and Jake? But what's going to happen when he has to guard Marvin Harrison Jr.? So for this Notre Dame secondary, I do think that they do have a good amount of talent. But this wide receiving core for Ohio State is just on a different level. And you're going to have to need elite play from all of your defensive backs. Now, the big matchup that a lot of you guys probably aren't going to be interested in watching by I am just because I'm a football nerd is going to be Notre Dame's offensive line versus the Ohio State defensive line and the Ohio State offensive line versus the Notre Dame defensive line because this is going to be a big deciding factor in determining if Notre Dame can pull off the upset because we know that Notre Dame has one of the best defensive lines in college football. And if they're going to be able to beat Ohio State, you're going to have to get constant pressure on C.J. Stroud. Now, C.J. Stroud is widely considered to be a pocket passer, but he does have more mobility than what people give him credit for. But if you can get him throwing on the run and get him uncomfortable and get him unsettled there then I think that the advantage kind of can tilt Notre Dame's weight. So for Marcus Freeman, this is somebody who is known for having a aggressive defense that really gets after you. So you're going to need Isaiah Folksy to step up in this game. He's going to have to have a huge game. You remember when Michigan last year beat Ohio State? It took a Herculean effort on everybody on that Wolverines team. But you know who was the guy who was the player of the game, who won that game for Michigan? It was Aiden Hutchinson. And for Notre Dame, they're going to need Isaiah Folksy to have that same kind of performance. And it's definitely possible. This is somebody who had 11 sacks last year in 2021. However... I don't really know how the lineup's going to be. I don't know what side he's going to be lining up on. But hopefully, we get to see him matched up against left tackle Paris Johnson, who I believe is the best offensive tackle in college football right now. So if we can get that matchup, we're going to be in for a treat, folks. And Notre Dame has one of the deepest and most talented defensive lines in college football. We think about... Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame definitely deserves to be up in that conversation. They have a multitude of guys who are good against the run, who can get after the quarterback, and they're going to have to be able to rotate guys in and to keep guys fresh so they don't get worn down over the course of this game. When you look at Notre Dame's offensive line, you have Jared Patterson, the best center in college football. You have Ohio State, a guy that I'm really going to be watching out for is edge rusher Zach Harrison. I know that all these teams have more names and more players to list off, but I'm just looking at 
you know, two key players from each team on, you know, both sides of the football on the interior of the lines. But you look at edge rusher Zach Harrison, and many people in the NFL draft community believe that he has more athleticism than the Bosa brothers. However, he's not as polished as them. So hopefully he could be in for a breakout season. This is definitely going to be a game that many people are going to be looking for him to pop out in because with this Notre Dame off the line being as good as what it is, this is going to be a true test for him. So I think for Notre Dame, if your offensive line can end up doing what it needs to do and creating holes in the rain game, that's going to be a plus. Because for Notre Dame to have a chance to win this game, they have to have a phenomenal game on the ground. Because I simply don't think that this passing attack is going to be good enough for Notre Dame to purely be able to win the game because of it. Okay, the passing game is going to be okay, but you're going to need to keep things balanced. And if you get into a game that ends up being one-sided and you have to end up throwing the ball to get back into it, you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. Now, Ohio State, what they need to do to avoid the upset, right? First of all, I think that they probably should use the run game to set up the pass because Notre Dame has a aggressive defense. And if you can establish the run game early, you're going to force the defense to have to look out for it. Because when you think about Ohio State, you know, everybody thinks about how great these wide receivers are and how great C.J. Stroud is and how good the passing game is, right? But a lot of people don't think about how good Travion Henderson is. And as a matter of fact, you probably could say he's the most underrated player in college football in a sense because nobody really thinks about him. So you can tire out that Notre Dame defensive line early with getting Travion Henderson going. And this guy is a bowling ball, I promise you. Even if he isn't getting a lot of yards, he, you're, you're still going to fill him, okay? Because over the course of a game, when you're trying to tackle the, a bowling ball of a human that is Henderson, you're going to get worn down eventually. So if you can wear down this Notre Dame defense, and then you can get them caught lacking, playing run, and then beat them over the top with play action and get the deep passing game going, that's really going to help your offense out when it comes to easing up this pass rush because Notre Dame's defensive line is really good when it comes to getting after the quarterback. So you want to slow down that pass rush. You want to have this pass rush thinking, okay, what's going to come? Are they going to run the ball? Or You feel me? But even if Ohio State gets into a game where they just want to throw the football willy-nilly, I do think that they can have some success doing so. But I'm just saying that if you can get that run game going early, it should help ease things out a little bit. Now, OSU, um, they need to put Notre Dame in uncomfortable situations. And I kind of said this a little bit earlier, but I really feel that one of the biggest things that Notre Dame needs to avoid is getting down early. If Notre Dame goes into halftime and it's 28-7 or 35-7, the game's over. Because I don't think that Notre Dame's offense is built to keep up with teams that are high scoring, such as Ohio State. So for Notre Dame, you kind of have to pace yourself. I feel as if as long as Notre Dame never gets down more than 10 points, in any quarter, they have a striking distance chance of being able to pull off the upset. If you can go into the the fourth quarter, right, 
and you're down, let's say, 28, 17, okay, you still have a pretty good shot because it takes you a stop, a touchdown, and it's a one-possession game, or a field goal is a one-possession game. So for Notre Dame, you definitely cannot find yourself in a situation where you're down multiple possessions and you have to get back into the game throwing the football. You also want to make sure that you're able to win on the early downs. You want to make sure that you can win on first, second down, and put yourself in third and manageable situations because it allows you to still have the running game as your clutch. You feel me? you rather be in third and three, third and four, because you still have the ability to run the football versus being in third and seven, third and eight situations. Albeit, you can still run the football, but let's be honest, who's running the football in third and seven and third and eight? I don't really think nobody unless you're playing Madden. So... For Ohio State, you're trying to put them in those third and long spots. You feel me? You're trying to put them in spots where Tyler Buckner has to beat you. And if you're Jim Knowles, you're, I wouldn't be surprised they just say, you know what, we're just going to go all out, stop the run, and we're going to force Tyler Buckner to show us that he can beat us. And if you're a Buckeyes fan, I'm pretty sure you don't have no problem with that. If, you know, Tyler Buckner ends up having a career day against you, I think that you still will be upset. But you would be okay, okay? Like, dare Tyler Buckner to show us how good he is. Dare Tyler Buckner to show us that he is the most talented quarterback that Notre Dame has had in the last 10 years. Show us. You feel me? So, overall for Notre Dame, man, it's going to take a lot for them to be able to pull off this win. Okay? And I'm really high on Notre Dame this year. I really am. But this is Ohio State team that is on a different level. But... You know, the thing with Brian Kelly is that he was never really able to have a lot of close competitive games against some of the best teams in college football. But Marcus Freeman, maybe he could be the difference because there were many people who thought that Brian Kelly was held back by the recruiting that Notre Dame had and whatever was going on through recruiting for why Brian Kelly couldn't bring in top five and top ten classes consistently. And however, we're seeing Marcus Freeman have so much success on the recruiting trail. Despite, you know, the grievances that Brian Kelly had with recruiting. So maybe Marcus Freeman could actually do something that Brian Kelly hasn't been able to do consistently. And that's beat some of the powerhouses in this sport. And it really all comes down to how well Notre Dame is going to be prepared for this game. And it's really going to be on the shoulders of Tyler Buckner and offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese has to make sure that Tyler Buckner doesn't get rattled in this game. He has to make sure that no matter what happens, even if he does have a turnover and makes a couple mistakes, that he keeps his composure. Because when you're on the road, the crowd's going to be loud, so there probably may be some communication issues. So you're probably going to have to go with hand signals. This is just a really tough road environment for any quarterback to be getting their first official start in. So there are a lot of things that are going to have to go right on Notre Dame's behalf. You're probably going to have to get a little bit of luck. You're going to have to get some calls in your favor. There's a lot of things that have to go right. But if the pass rush can get going and you can get C.J. Stroud uncomfortable in the pocket and you can get some hits on him and you can get him throwing the football outside the pocket, you have a chance. You can get that run game going, you should have a good chance of being able to pull off the upset. And if you can put Tyler Buckner in manageable situations where you can ease him into the game and allow him to get more confidence as we go along throughout the first couple of quarters, you have a pretty good shot if those four things are able to happen. 
But the most important thing for Ohio State is the fact that you can't allow this Notre Dame pass rush to get in their groove. And I think for Notre Dame's defense, they're going to be extremely huge in this game. This is a Notre Dame defense that needs a lot of stops, a lot of stops. And mainly, you'll love this defense to keep you around and keep you alive and keep you in striking distance until the fourth quarter. So can that happen? We don't know. But I do think that Ohio State is going to win this game. And I think that they're going to do it pretty convincingly. I think that Ohio State wins this game 42-21 to 21 is my final score prediction for this matchup. So... Give me your guys, your early thoughts and analysis on this game. You know, what are some things that you guys think that Notre Dame needs to do to avoid the upset? Well, to pull off the upset, what do you think Ohio State needs to do to avoid the upset? Let me know down in the comment section down below. You know, I'm really disappointed at how many people out there don't know who Jameer Gibbs is and how good he is. Because Jameer Gibbs is going to be an absolute beast for Alabama this year. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I released a segment talking about Ole Miss football, right? And in this segment, I talked about how Zach Evans and Jameer Gibbs are going to be the two best running backs in the SEC this year. Well, I had a subscriber by the name of Black Dog who commented on that segment and said that, Jameer Gibbs and Zach Evans are going to struggle this year because they're going to find it more difficult to have success running the football and the SEC compared to the previous schools that they came from. And I was just really, really upset because he said that Jameer Gibbs and Zach Evans were only good because they played in weak conferences. And I was more enraged at the fact that he had the nerve to say this about Jameer Gibbs. Anybody who really follows college football understands that Jameer Gibbs was the only player on Georgia Tech's offense that opposing defensive coordinators were actually game planning for. Jameer Gibbs was arguably the best player in the ACC when he was at Georgia Tech. He was an all-ACC selection as an all-purpose player, a running back, and a returner. And he did this at Georgia Tech. With a team that had bad coaching, no offensive line, no good quarterback play, Jameer Gibbs literally was Georgia Tech's offense. Literally. So the fact that I saw this comment, it just really enraged me. And it motivated me to make this video because this is just such a casual take. And I think that a lot of casuals don't really know just how good of a player Jameer Gibbs is. You see, Alabama isn't a team that utilizes the transfer portal heavily, but there's a reason why they went out and got Jameer Gibbs. This is somebody that last season for Georgia Tech had 143 carries, 746 yards, four touchdowns, averaged 5.2 yards per carry, remind you behind a very bad Georgia Tech off the line. He also was a factor in the passing game for the Yellow Jackets. 36 receptions, 13.1 yards per catch, 470 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, the dude was an absolute monster. And he was the fourth best player in the transfer portal. And so when you look at what he has done so far during Alabama's spring camp, the dude has done nothing but impress the coaches. Nick Saban has raved about this guy so much. After the spring game, he said that he... 
obviously is a very good running back, a very good receiver, a very good third down back, a very good addition. And I can't remember the last time I've heard Nick Saban say so much of a mouthful of compliments when it came when it comes to a player ever. And on top of that, Jameer Gibbs was MVP on offense during Alabama spring game. He popped off a 75-yard touchdown run during that game. This dude was winning nothing but awards during the spring for Alabama. Every time you looked up Alabama spring camp, all you heard was Jameer Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs, and more Jameer Gibbs. Let me tell you something. If you guys want to know what a modern-day first-round draft pick looks like at running back in the year 2022, it's Jameer Gibbs. Because, you see, a lot of people think that the running back position is dying in this day and age of football. Not just college football, but in the NFL as well. And it's not dying. You see, people have to realize that the running back position has changed. Nobody's really looking for a Derrick Henry anymore. Everybody's looking for the next explosive scat back, like your Alvin Kamara's, your Austin Eckler's of the world. That's what Jameer Gibbs is. He's 5'11", 200 pounds. He has elite burst and acceleration. He gets the top speed very quickly. He has elite quickness and agility. And on top of that, he has elite twitch. And when you're looking at a running back who's drafted in the first round, yes, they do have the elite athletic traits, but he also have to have that elite twitch. And for those of you guys who don't know what that means, that basically means that they, they don't think when they play. They just move and react. Their body does all of the reacting for them. And it's just like second nature. And that's what it is when you look at Jameer Gibbs. This is somebody who just is insanely quick and agile. He has like cat-like reflexes. And on top of that, he has good vision and patience. And although he is only 5'11", 200 pounds, he plays way bigger than his size. This is somebody who has great contact balance. He can run in between the tackles. He just isn't somebody who just you can run outside zone with. If you need him to run up between the middle, he can do it. And on top of that, he has a very effective stiff arm. And he also is able to bounce off tacklers if need be. So when you look at Jameer Gibbs, man, this is just somebody who is just a complete running back all the way around. He is elite when it comes to catching the football out of the backfield. You also can line him up in the slot. He has great hands. He catches the ball pretty smoothly. He will have some concentration drops here and there. But overall, this dude is a monster. Phenomenal route runner. Great after the catch. If you're a defensive back and you see Jameer Gibbs in the open field, good luck. I'm trying to tell you guys, bro, like, it's not fair that Jameer Gibbs is on Alabama. It it really isn't. You already have Will Anderson and Bryce Young. Why do you need Jameer Gibbs? Why? You feel me? This dude is an absolute cheat code. I'm trying to tell you. Don't be surprised if you see Jameer Gibbs end up being a Heisman finalist this year. Because he is going to put up ridiculous numbers. Imagine the success that he had at Georgia Tech. And imagine how good he's going to be this year behind 
a better offensive line with a way leaps and bounds better coaching staff. Jameer Gibbs is going to end up being a first-round pick. Record it, screenshot it, do whatever you have to do. This is a first-round caliber running back. In this day and age of the NFL, you're looking for Jameer Gibbs types of players. You're looking for a running back who can be a three-down back, who not only can run outside the tackles, but can run in between the tackles. He can do that. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. You can line him up in the slot. He can run routes very well. He's a mismatch for linebackers and defensive backs. How are you going to stop this? Honestly, how are you? This dude is a human cheat code. Now, the only two criticisms that I've seen people have about Jameer Gibbs is that he doesn't possess top-end speed, which I kind of disagree with because I have yet to see any defender haul him down from behind. But maybe that will change with the step-up in competition, but I doubt it because he has elite acceleration, so he gets up to the top speed really fast. You feel me? And then on top of that, his pass blocking also is a little bit of a criticism, but you can improve those things. That's what coaching is for. So for Jameer Gibbs, I expect him to end up going in the first round along with B. John Robinson. These are two of the best, most talented running backs in college football. And I don't really want to say it's an opinion. I kind of think that this should be a well-known fact, but... You know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. But you look at Jameer Gibbs, man. He's going to be a monster. He is going to be an absolute monster. And I keep looking at this Alabama team as a whole. And I just keep feeling more and more bad for the bloodshed that is about to be shown on national television when Alabama plays Texas A&M and they dethroat them they they slice their head off and they leave their guts and blood all over the field it i honestly don't know how you stop a jameer gibbs how do you stop a jameer gibbs you feel me and yeah you can't say jt's only 5'11 200 pounds but he's physical he doesn't shy away from contact if he has to run through you he will you feel me like man i'm glad i ain't out there trying to play linebacker and talk to jameer gibbs it's insane. This dude is a human cheat code. He's like if you go to create a player and you build a running back with 90 speed, 78 strength, and he just has 99 acceleration, 99 quickness, 99 agility. He is really, really elusive and really quick. And I think that if you don't know who Jameer Gibbs is right now, I guarantee you, you're going to know who he is by the end of this season. He is going to end up being one of the best, if not the second best running back in college football behind B. John Robinson. And he is going to be a first round pick because this is the kind of running back that you're looking for in the modern age of football. You want a elite scat back. And that's what Jameer Gibbs is. But not only is he just an elite scat back, but he also is a running back that you can run in between the tackles. Austin Eckler isn't somebody that is capable of being able to get a 18, 20 carry workload. Jameer Gibbs is. Jameer Gibbs is pretty much a weapon. I don't even know if you would describe him as a running back no more. This guy is just a weapon. You just put him out there. He's a football player. You can put him to return kicks, 
punts, he can do that. You can put him in the slot. If you need him to be your wide receiver, he could be your wide receiver if you need him to be. If you need him to be your running back, he can also do that at a very high level. What can Jameer Gibbs do? You feel me? This dude is just a insane athlete. Rare quickness and rare agility. And a lot of people keep comparing him to Alvin Kamara. I think that he is a way better version of Alvin Kamara. I think that he's more quickness and way more agile than Alvin Kamara. And that's not taking anything away from Alvin Kamara. I just think that when you look at their short area quickness, I think that he's way more elusive than Alvin Kamara. But let me know your thoughts on Jameer Gibbs down in the comment section down below. Let me know how good you guys think Jameer Gibbs is going to be this season. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you guys like the pod, well, like the podcast if you're listening on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Also, make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast available on all podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available.